Hello and welcome back to our study of the Dhammapada. Today we continue on with verse number 67, which reads as follows. Natankamangkatang sadhu yang katwa anutapati yasa atsu mukhorodang vipakang patisevati which means natankamangkatang sadhu that kamma which is performed or that kamma when performed is not good which yang katwa anutapati which having performed one uh, is burnt or gets uh, uh, incensed in the mind, suffers in the mind. Yasa asumuko rodang, crying, one who, uh, who who has an asumuko, one whose face is full of tears. Yasa, uh, because of that kamma. Vipakang patisevati. So, one who, um, by which or for which, one who with tears in their eyes cries, uh, crying with tears in their eyes, patisevati uh, receives the result of the kamma. So, that kamma, basically, so Pali way of saying in verse <coughs> that uh, a kamma is not good, an action is not good. If once you perform it, it causes you to, it burns you up inside, or it causes you to, to be, to suffer, uh, if you, whereby you receive, because you receive the results, crying with a, a uh, face full of tears, or tears in your eyes. Another one of these great verses, no, they're all great, but this one, um, Again, as usual, it outstrips the story, which is a, a nice story, short and sweet. The story goes that there was, uh, there were, starts off there were some uh, robbers, some thieves in Savati, and they dug a tunnel and went into a rich person's house and stole all their goods, and uh, they divided it up. But one of the robbers uh, found a, especially, a stash of especially, um, uh, valuable items, coins or gems, and he st stuck it in his uh, in his coat or in his pants or whatever, and hid it from his fellow thieves. And, and so they escaped from the house and they went went off into the fields and they went to this one farmer's field and they 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 sat there and they were they distributed up all the the loot and uh, they were sitting gloating and, and then they, they got up and were ready to leave. And this one who had kept a, a, a package, a purse aside, um, as he was getting up to leave, he dropped the purse in the farmer's field and didn't realize it. And they all got up and went on their way, went back to their thieves' lair, wherever it is that thieves dwell, or back to their homes. In the morning, the Buddha, as he was wont to do in the early mornings, he sent out his mind to the whole of the universe, as he's done in, as we've seen him do in other at other times in this book. And uh, he thinks about who, in the nearby area, or in in one of the heavens, maybe, or in some far away area, I mean, far away location, 
was ready to hear the Dhamma and who would best profit. And on this day, the owner of the farmer's field came into his mind and he realized that uh, today was the day that this farmer would be just ready to, to realize the truth and be able to let go of his worldly ways as a farmer and, or I'm not sure what happens in the end, but he would be able to uh, become enlightened. No? Kasako upasako pato sota patipalang. Okay, so he's, he realized that he's going to become a sotapanna with this uh, teaching. So I said, well, this is a good reason to go. It'll also make a good, uh, good example, and we can make a verse out of it, and eventually, 2,500 years later, someone will be reading this from a book. So this was perhaps not all going through the Buddha's mind, but to some extent, it was the idea that this was a, a worthwhile thing to do. So in the morning, he set out with Ananda on alms round, and passed right by this farmer's field, and the farmer was out in his field tilling the soil or doing whatever it is that farmers do. Um, and uh, the, the farmer saw him and, and was quite impressed, of course, by the greatness of the Buddha wandering through the fields, carrying his robe and bowl with his eyes downcast, walking majestically like the king of the Dhamma, the king of, of righteousness. And he, he went to the Buddha and he paid respect to him and then went back to plowing his field and the Buddha didn't say anything. Normally, often when, when people would come to pay respect to the Buddha, he would reply by giving them some teaching or, or uh, at least acknowledging them. On this occasion, he didn't acknowledge the farmer. He stood and let the farmer pay respect to him and, and uh, worship him and, and so on and then just went on his way. And the farmer was, I guess, a little bit confused, and so he was kind of watching the Buddha go. And as the Buddha walked away, he looked over into the, he looked over into the field, and he said to Ananda, Oh, Ananda, you, do you see that poisonous snake? And Ananda looked and he said, Oh, indeed, that's a, a terrible, awful snake. And the farmer stood up and when he heard this, and when they walked away, he walked over to where they were looking, creeping over with his stick, getting ready to take on this fearsome snake. And he sees the little the purse lying there where the Buddha and Ananda had looked. And he looks at the purse and he doesn't get it. He, he doesn't quite understand what the meaning is here, but he opens the purse and he sees all these valuable uh, things inside. And he realizes that, whoa, this, this is... There's something going on here, so he take he digs a digs a hole and he puts the purse into the hole and covers it up and leaves and says, "Well, I'll, I'll figure out what to do with this later. I don't really know what to do with with uh, that right now." But you know, finding valuables on your property, he figured he had to do something, and he went back to his work. Meanwhile, the authorities were busy doing their inspection of this rich person's property, and they actually managed to track the thieves to the farmer's field. Then they saw the tracks coming and then dispersing, but then they also saw the farmer's tracks going to where the, and, and uh, coming coming from where the farmer had been uh, digging and, and going right to where the thieves had been 
uh, had been uh, had been meeting. And then he saw it veering off a little. They saw it veering off a little bit. They went there and they found the stash and they dug it up, and they found the purse. And then they followed the tracks back to the farmer's house. And so, of course, they suspected that the farmer was in fact a thief, and they caught him up and they took him out and they were going to take him to jail or maybe beat him or I don't remember what they were going to do. Maybe even kill him. In those times, uh, justice was swift, but not very just. And so they took him, they were taking him through the streets and as they were walking, he starts shaking his head and muttering to himself. He says, Ananda, do you see that poisonous snake? Yes, venerable sir, what a terrible snake. He's shaking his head and just muttering to himself, and the guards are like looking at him like he's crazy, and they say, what are, what are, what are you muttering to yourself? And he says, uh, if, you tell me, if you take me to the king, I'll tell you. And they hear that they, they, you know, they, they, they think something's going on here, so they take him to the king. And he says, and they tell the king, they say, well, this man... We caught him red-handed. He had buried this this stolen goods, so obviously he was the one who he was a thief. And now he's saying something. He's he's evoking the name of the Buddha, an Ananda. And uh, we thought this was worthy of some uh, investigation, Your Majesty. And the king turns to the farmer and says, "What's the meaning of this? Why are you saying to yourself, oh, oh, Ananda?" You see that poisonous snake? Yes, venerable sir. What a terrible snake. And so he tells him the story. He says, I'm not a thief. And he tells it to him, that, that what, what happened and what the Buddha had said. And the king is, is uh, intrigued by this. Something very interesting has happened. Now, why did the Buddha take the time to go to this farmer? And, and, and uh, what is the lesson that's being taught here? So he takes the farmer and he goes to the Buddha and he asks the Buddha, he says, is this true? Did you walk by this farmer's field and, and, and happen to uh, make mention of a poisonous snake? And the Buddha said, yes, indeed, I did. And he said, uh, and then he, he spoke this verse. He says, a person, who, a person should be very careful about their deeds, that they don't come back to bite them like a poisonous snake. And so this is the story. But as usual, it, the, the verse says so much more. The verse uh, points to any act and, and it, it brings up the idea that an act uh, is only as good as the results. And this is really the problem because it's hard for us to tell what is going to be the result of our actions. Um, and we often don't relate the actions with the result. We think that something is going to bring us happiness. And in fact, it often does bring us temporary pleasure or relief from suffering. So here he has this, probably inside has this desire for the treasure. And so he buries it thinking, get excited, you know, thinking that this is something, somehow this situation is going to bring me some sort of happiness. Whereas with the Buddha and Ananda, having uh, spent a lot of time looking at the nature of the world and the nature of desires, were quite clear in their minds that this is indeed a poisonous snake. I often, uh, on, in a narrow context, I often use this verse to talk about the evils of money, specifically for monks. 
um, but you know, on, on a larger scale, you can see why it was that the Buddha enjoined the monks not to use money, because it can be a real poisonous snake. People tend to get a little bit emotional, or a lot emotional, when money matters are involved. So if it had been a bunch of manure um, that he had hidden, that someone had stolen and he had hidden, it, it may not have evoked such an emotive response and caused such trouble for him, caused him to be beaten and dragged through the streets. But uh, specifically for money, there's something very poisonous about it. But what the Buddha is saying here in his verse, in his teaching, uh, he's saying to be aware of the results. And as I said, on a worldly level, this is often difficult. And in many cases, we can't be sure what the results of our actions are going to be. But we never really focus on that in Buddhism because we consider that the, mind, the, the, the world is mind-made anyway. Uh, or reality is, is a product of our past anyway. It's a product of our actions and of our intentions. So if, if it happens that we are unjustly accused of something, um, we often figure that there is some sort of justice to it because we've somehow managed to get ourselves in this situation. We've somehow managed to get here and now and there's no innocence there. So we, 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 when it's like when you enter into a contract and you, you're bound by the, the conditions of the contract, no matter what comes. In the same way we're, we're, we've entered into this contract willingly, we've, we've willingly been born as human beings, which is why the Buddha said actually birth is, is also suffering. Because you're, when you're born, you're, it's like entering into a contract. If you didn't enter into the contract, you, you wouldn't be forced to abide by the conditions. And it's these conditions that often cause suffering. But I think in a Buddhist sense, we, we, we um, have to focus on the karmic aspects of this verse, like the, the, the intentional aspects of it. That this farmer couldn't have known specifically what was going to happen when he, he took that. The, he may have even, it doesn't say in the verse, but we can give him the benefit of the doubt. And... Um, imagine that to the best of his wisdom he thought this was a good idea that somehow he was going to return this money even or he had no intention of taking it no desire for it probably wasn't the case um, and so we could say that it actually wasn't the bad deed that he did potentially we don't know the intentions behind it although as i said with money there's always the problem people get emotional and uh, and there was really no need for him to, to bury it unless he was somehow concerned by it. But this is the point of, this is the reason why Ananda and the Buddha, uh, especially the Buddha, w were quite clear on the dangers of having anything to do with something like that because of the amount of desire that's involved. And so we, we focus on, on the intentions here, then we can ask ourselves um, how, how to cultivate an understanding of what is going to make us suffer in the future. What, what deeds are we going to perform? What deeds, having performed, are we going to weep and cry and, and, and beat our breasts and, and anutapati, which really means to, to burn because of it, or to, to get heated in the mind, to get, uh, to get stressed in the mind. And uh, even still, for most people it's difficult to to know 
it's difficult for us to be clear what deeds having performed uh, are going to lead us to suffering. And, and the problem is the, the act and the results are so far removed from each other in many cases. So you might um, indulge in something, um, eat lots of ice cream, or have a romantic engagement. A romantic engagement is a good example because it often ends in tears. In fact, the more passionate it is, the more likely you could say it's going to end in tears. If, if two people are relaxed in their relationship and comfortable in their own individuality, then, then any breakup is not likely to be as, as devastating. But if it's passionate and if there's, a lot, if there's a great amount of, in fact, pleasure involved, then there's, there's much more likely to be a great amount of pain and, and suffering. And so this is why when relationships break up or people pass away or, or move on or whatever, there's a great amount of asu, asumukha, face full of tears. Um, but we can't see it because there's, there's so much pleasure. And uh, we, we in, in fact, it's even worse than that because we start out with pleasure be, because we have suffering. You know, generally, the reason why people want pleasure is because there's something lacking. There's a feeling of, of agitation or upset in their mind. So they want something to ease that, to appease that, to make them happy again. And so they undertake something, in this case, an, a romantic engagement. And it brings them lots and lots of pleasure. And so they become accustomed to the pleasure. And that pleasure directly leads to their suffering because of the addiction. So then the person changes or, or their expectations are not met and, and leaves, or they leave or they fight or something, and there's a great amount of suffering. Now that suffering is exactly what's going to lead them back into a relationship, or seeking out the same sort of relationship. Because it was the same reason that got them into it. And so it's a deadly cycle. It's um, the, the, the craving for food is another one. When you, you, you crave for the food, this is a kind of a suffering, so you go and get the food and you feel happy. You enjoy the taste or you enjoy the sensation of being full. And uh, that creates this, this uh, attachment to it. And then when it's gone, you suffer again and you, you go out and get it again. And, and we do this with all sorts of pleasurable things. So, in fact, it's even worse than just the just being disconnected, that they're actually responsible for each other. The, the pleasure and the pain. You know, the, the pleasure is responsible to bring us disappointment, dissatisfaction. The dissatisfaction leads us to want to get more of it. You have to quickly go and get more. And so the, the, uh, the, the actions are directly responsible. Uh, for the suffering, but the suffering is also directly responsible for our desire for more. And so it's a terrible vicious cycle. And so this is why, or this is where in Buddhism meditation comes in, this is why meditation is so important. If you think in a worldly sense, how would you know a certain action, like burying a bunch of coins, is going to have bad uh, results? You'll know from experience. So there are so many different uh, situations that uh, you, you can't sit down and, and, and consider um, logically what's going to be the outcome. But with experience, 
you can see how people react and you can see what what are probable outcomes and with a lot of experience in a worldly sense you can live your life fairly stably so you know not to bury if you've been beaten and dragged to the streets for example you know not to bury a bunch of coins because probably people are going to get upset and, and you're going to be accused of something you didn't do and so on and so on we should be very careful and this is why of course if if this happened today people would often go directly to the authorities if some large some bank uh, a ba uh, you know, sack from a bank or something was found in a farmer's field a farmer would right away hopefully go to the authorities because he wouldn't want to be unduly accused so the same principle applies for uh, meditation applies for the um, intentional activities of the mind meditation is for the direct uh, purpose for the sole purpose the main purpose of meditation is experience we're trying to understand we're not trying to change we're not trying to stop ourselves from um, doing any number of things we're trying to understand uh, and, and, and gain experience about how the mind works how, how uh, reality works how cause and effect works what leads to what when you want something what does that lead to leads to clinging when you cling to something what does that lead to it leads to chasing when you chase something what does that lead to it leads to suffering you know it leads to not getting eventually or it leads to the stress of having to having to work or so on and as a result leads to suffering what does suffering lead to a suffering leads to wanting again and so you see this and eventually you get tired of it you, you you're able to change your habits through experience you're able to see what the buddha said that indeed it's not good that kama is indeed not good if you do it and it causes you suffering it's indeed not good he's he's not you know it's actually if you read the verse it's actually something you can say well of course i know that if something causes me suffering i shouldn't do it but this is the the, the realization that the buddha is talking about He's talking about what we need to do. We need to realize that which the Buddha has realized. He has realized that uh, that deed is not, not worth doing. That deed brings me suffering. He, he, he's pointing out that for most of us, we don't know this. Most of us, uh, or we, we know the principle, but we don't know uh, that these things are causing us suffering. He's saying... Uh, you're doing this because you don't understand that it's causing you suffering because it's not worth doing if, if you knew that it was suffering why would you do it and so he's saying when, when we do when we do things that cause us suffering we have to be clear that we would have been better off to not perform those actions to not get involved to not get caught up in those things that cause us suffering and so it's a lesson it's a lesson really for us to continue in meditation, to, to dedicate ourselves to meditation, to focus on this idea of acquiring experience, acquiring an understanding of how the mind and the body works. When you sit and you watch your mind, you see one thing leading to another. When you see your desires, you see your aversions, you see your sufferings, and you see what causes what, and you learn to relax your mind and ease up this tension that comes from wanting and needing and that comes from 
uh, aversion and 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 frustration and and uh, greed and anger and all these pushes and pulls that exist in the mind, and we see that we are causing ourselves suffering, and we realize that indeed this is the point. We should stop doing those things that cause us suffering. And uh, the point, the problem is that often we don't know that they're causing us suffering. We don't realize that they're going to cause us suffering. So as the Buddha said, before you do something you should be clear uh, that it's a good thing to do. When you're doing something you should be clear that it's a good thing to do. And after you've finished it, you should be clear that it was a good thing to have done. And if not, you should quickly change. You should have the mindfulness to be clearly aware of those things that you do. Without mindfulness, we are easily caught up in performing bad deeds of act, speech, and mind, and caught up and all the way through until it leads to great, can lead to great uh, suffering and stress for us. So that's the lesson. It's a simple lesson, but another one of those things that reminds us of the inevitability of cause and effect, that you can't escape your karma. And uh, better to not do these deeds at all, not to just hope that it doesn't come to us, but better is it not to do. Uh, and indeed it's not well done if it leads you to suffering. Everything is judged by its result, the result it has. So, thank you for tuning in. This is another verse of the Dhammapada. Uh, wishing you all true peace, happiness, and freedom from suffering. <laughs>